Well, Jesus, you're just as faithful as always. <laughs> just as faithful as always. Uh, God, we're, we're grateful for who you are. We're grateful for who you are. Thank you. You know, God's still faithful even when you feel like he's not. Right? And even when you feel like you've forgotten about or you're missed over or something happened and you got put on the naughty list or whatever weird thoughts that we come up with, right? Uh, God's just as in love with you and faithful to you as he's always been and he always will be. Um, well, thank you to the worship team. Um, we want to, uh, you know, I've gotten this thing where I really enjoy being able to do offering. Um, this isn't because we're, we're trying to get your money. Uh, God has enough of it and tends to take care of us pretty well. Uh, we talk about this often in staff meeting for a church our size. Uh, we, we do pretty good. And it's not, it's not because of uh, how great we are. It's because we have faithful people uh, in this house and outside of this house that have just felt led to invest into what we're doing, uh, to what God's doing here, and we're super, super grateful for it. Um, as much as we appreciate the financial side, we appreciate the family, uh, the service side. You know, we, we have, the one thing we don't lack for much is, is people wanting to help out in areas, and so that we're grateful for. So, but we do get to take up tithes and offerings. Uh, one thing we ask is that if this isn't your home church, uh, we believe your tithe belongs in your home church, and so we ask you to save that for there. Uh, but if you want to invest into to what we're doing here, we will take your money. Uh, we're, we're okay with letting you know that up front. Uh, we take cash, credit card, gold, uh, any of that stuff. You can keep your cryptocurrency and uh, we're not that fancy yet, uh, but any of that stuff, we'll, we'll take it and invest it for you into what God's doing here. Uh, we have the coffee shop over here that we're still adding on to. Uh, the, the children's uh, section up here in our old church building is being expanded. Uh, one thing we don't lack around here is projects. <laughs> Uh, so we have a lot of stuff that we're growing into. So if you want to invest into what we're doing, uh, we're more than happy to say thank you for that. If you want to give online uh, to text to give, if you're uh, my wife and I, I don't know if it's a good thing or a bad thing. We haven't given cash or check in years because of text to give. And uh, sometimes we, we, we throw some dollars in there because we miss the, the cash part. But honestly, the text to give has become so convenient for us. So if you want to do that, we have that option. Um, so I just want to let you know that what you're investing into has a return, yes. Amen. right? Amen. You can invest in the stock market, you can invest in businesses and all this other stuff, and that's great. Uh, and you may get a return and you may not. Uh, but I can 100% uh, can guarantee you uh, this investment you put in has a return to it. Um, I can give you countless stories. So Father, we're grateful uh, for the opportunity that we get to give financially into what you're doing. Uh, God, we're grateful we get to give into what you've already gave us, and we just ask you to bless it. We ask that it comes back to the ones giving uh, even tenfold. Uh, the ones that are in a place and they're not even able to financially give, we just ask that you bless their finances, you, uh, you pay off debts, checks in the mail, God, that all that fun stuff that you're, you're a good father for and capable of, we just pray for that stuff in return. So God, we love you, we thank you, amen. All right. Well, I'm gonna run my mouth as they pass the basket. One thing I, I am good at is, is talking. Uh, so I can do that well. I, I heard Allison over here in agreement. Um, I think that's part of being on staff here is you have to be able to run your mouth a little bit. I won't say who I learned it from. Yeah.
Um, <laughs> yeah, I won't point fingers this morning. So uh, we got some visitors. Uh, my name is Lonnie. I, I'm one of the associate pastors here. Uh, so uh, Rodney lets me uh, speak every once in a while as long as I don't make people too mad. Uh, so I'll do my best this morning to, to stay on good behavior. My wife is not here this morning. We're getting ready to go to North Carolina this afternoon, and we have a almost one-year-old. And uh, if you remember those days of trying to pack for a week-long trip with a one-year-old, uh, you have to do so about three days in advance. And uh, we started this morning. So uh, we're a little behind the curve, but we're catching up. Uh, hopefully we'll be ready to go this afternoon. So uh, she'll be watching by live, uh, so that's exciting. But I was driving in this morning, and one of my, I say favorite things, one of my most consistent enjoyments that I have is that if I'm in my, my truck driving to whether it's work, to, to church, whatever, um, I, I like to take advantage of that time with the Lord. Uh, this isn't like, I don't make it weird. It's just time that I get to talk to God uninterrupted. Um, and, and like I've told you before, my go-to is always, God, thank you. Thank you for my family. Thank you for my church family. Thank you for my health. And I, before I get into anything else, I just want to be thankful to God. Um, if you can start every, every interaction with the Lord with thankfulness, you're already off to a good mark, Right. So I was driving in, and I was talking to the Lord, and as the Lord likes to do in our relationship oftentimes is that I'm in one subject, and he likes to dramatically change the subject very quickly. Uh, I've learned to listen to those moments through the years. Um, I can tell you countless stories of where that's paid off and somewhere I was hard-headed. But um, when I was driving in, and I just instantly heard the Lord say, the season's changing. Um, and the season is changing, right? We have the physical change. We're kind of, thank you, Lord, we're coming out of summer and, and trying to get into fall. Uh, I'm not knocking 2021, but uh, from a business owner, from all sorts of stuff, I tell people I will not miss this summer. Uh, bless it on the way out, but I'm ready. I'm ready for a transitional space. Um, but I heard the Lord say, the season's changing. And I, and I felt it. I, th- this instant excitement exploded inside of me, and I knew the pages were turning. Uh, this has nothing to do with my message, so this is free. Uh, hopefully you paid for that and your tithes and offerings. So. Uh, but, uh, but, this, but I feel like it's pivotal for us as a church, as, as a Auburn Heights family, as an extended family, and, and hopefully for you as an individual, is that this year hasn't been the greatest for everyone, right? Uh, it's came with its challenges. You know, we kind of thought 2020 was a, a whirlwind, um, and 2021 showed up and said, I can't, I can't use the phrase, I wanted the phrase because it's not, some of you are thinking it, but uh, hold my water is what we'll use. We'll, we'll keep it anointed, right? Uh, and 2021 got a little wild, right? And so, but I feel like there's this grace that's happening where the season's shifting, uh, and the stuff that's felt like a rough, a rough 2021, it, it's had its bumps and bruises, and it's had its ups and downs, uh, it's being lifted. And we're changing gears, and we're going into a new season, and we're getting ready for 2022. And I feel like there's this grace that the Lord is, is releasing to us um, that's kind of a sigh of relief. <laughs> Um, so I want to encourage you, if you're kind of in that place where you're just hanging on, you know, you're like, hey, I've endured 2020, I, I'm somehow making it through 2021, and you're still kind of just grasping at the tail end, just, just hang on for a moment longer. We're, we're close, it's shifting, things are going to get easier, things that you've been praying for and contending for for a while are going to come, come to pass, 
It hasn't been forgotten about. Dreams that you've set on the shelf back in 2019 because of 2020 and everything else, they haven't been forgotten about. It's happening. Um, so, so take that for what you want. Um, I tell people there, there's a verse, and, and I blank words out, but it says, um, if you receive a prophet in the name of a prophet, you receive a prophet's reward. If you receive a righteous man in the name of a righteous man, you receive a righteous man's reward. And, and, I, and I tell people, I really think the meaning behind that is that if you will put weight onto what someone else is saying from the Lord, if you say, hey, I'm going to buy into that, I'm going to grab onto that for my personal life, I feel the Lord on it, is that there's actually a reward attached for it. So either you can choose to accept it, or you can say, I don't know this guy, wearing a baseball cap in church, he's not anointed, so I'm just going to let it go. So be it. Uh, you can knock on my cap if you want to. Somebody asked me a couple of weeks ago why I wear um, a hat in church, because we're in the Bible Belt, and you're not, not supposed to cover your head. And my response is a couple of things. One, uh, I have a pool service company, and I'm really bad about wearing trucker hats during the day and the sun all day, so I have a horrendous tan line on the back of my head. Um, like, you think you've seen bad. I mean, it's, it's patterned and it looks rough. Uh, so I do that mainly for you, so you don't have to look at it. And my other thing is, you know, I tell people, in the South, we're not traditional. <laughs> Rodney jokes about Baptists. We don't know what we are anymore. We just love the Lord. Um, but if you walk in here and you've never been in a church or spent some time and you have a cap on and nobody else is wearing a cap, you already feel out of place, right? I've been in places where somebody's in chemo treatment, they've lost their hair, they want to wear a cap in church, and they walk into a place, and I've seen people ask them to remove their cap because you can't wear it in church. And if we want to get biblical, I can take you to some verses that actually tell you your head should be covered, but that's a whole other message. Um, but, but again, tradition and religion will send people the opposite direction of the king. And so my thing is, until the Lord tells me otherwise, I wear a hat because if you walk in here with a hat on, you won't be the only one. Um, until the Lord tells me to take it off from the pulpit, it'll stay on my, my nice bald head. Um, but I want people to feel welcome. And this isn't just me. This is our senior leader. We want people to feel you don't have to come in here in a three-piece suit. Matter of fact, if you come in here in a three-piece suit, you're probably going to be the nicest dressed individual in here, and we welcome it. Uh, if you see me in a three-piece suit, you should probably ask questions because someone took my wife hostage and things have gotten bad because I don't, I don't own a three-piece suit. So, All right. All right, you've made me ramble enough. Let's actually get into what I wanted to talk about this morning. Uh, the actual, I don't title messages. Uh, it's not my deal, but I, I will tell you, if I had to title this one, it, it would be called... Be teachable. Um, ironically enough, I think it kind of coincides with what I felt the Lord on this morning about seasons shifting, is that if you're not teachable, being teachable and humility go hand in hand. You can't have one without the other. Uh, it's the same thing with maturity, right? People think just because I have intellect or knowledge, it, it comes with maturity. I know plenty of smart people uh, that are super immature. That has nothing to do. Maturity is included in being teachable. I don't care if you're 25 or 95. As long as you're teachable, you have maturity, you have wisdom. It's a package deal, right? 
And there's this verse, and kind of what kind of got me here is uh, Matthew 18, and Lisa will put it up for you. Um, this is out of the English Standard Version. It says, uh, and we're verse 1 through 4. At the time, the disciples came to Jesus saying, Who is the greatest in the kingdom of heaven? And calling to him a child, he put him in the midst of them and said, Truly I say to you, unless you turn and become like children, you will never enter the kingdom of heaven. Whoever humbles himself like this child is the greatest in the kingdom of heaven. Um, the Passion Translation uh, puts this part uh, really well, I think. It says, talking about what Jesus' reply was, Learn this well unless you dramatically change your way of thinking and become teachable like a little child. You will never be able to enter in. Whoever continually humbles himself to become like this little child is the greatest one in heaven's kingdom. And so we see two pieces there, right? We see there's an action required. I don't know if you call that. Uh, it doesn't just say it's just going to happen. It says unless you turn... And become. So that puts responsibility on us. We, we, we like the verses that somehow elude to I'm not responsible for the action, it's just a God thing. Uh, but that's not how the kingdom works, right? We have a responsibility to play. We have a responsibility to us as an individual in my relationship with the Holy Spirit, and I have a responsibility to the people I'm doing life with, whether it's my wife and kids, my family, my church family, whatever the case is, I have a responsibility to play. Um, too, too often times when we talk about this, people want to come in and sit down in a, in a church pew or a seat, and they expect Rodney or whoever's up here to get up here and give a life-changing message, and that fixes all your problems. Um, Rodney's a great speaker, uh, but he ain't that good. Uh, I've sat under a lot of well-known speakers uh, that I could name off that you would know, and none of them are that good to give you a message that fixes all your problems, right? Anybody that tells you they can teach you something that takes out the relationship dynamic between you and, and Jesus, uh, I would run away from very quickly, yeah. right? Uh, we have a mediator. It's called the Holy Spirit, right? right? And so our job is not to fix your life. I don't want that responsibility. I don't get paid enough for that responsibility. I, I don't want any part of it. But what I do hope is that I can give you some insight that helps build your tool belt with your relationship with the Lord and how you affect your community. That's what church should be. Uh, people talk about church as a hospital. Yeah, there's some truth to that. Uh, but church is a family dynamic where we're doing family life together. And how many of you know being in family requires you to be teachable, all right? I've learned this now that we have almost one-year-old. Um, he's not the only one being taught stuff. Um, I learn stuff quite often, whether I want to or not, uh, and he teaches me. The, the other night, I put him down. We have kind of our bedtime routine, and um, Nikki was out. Uh, I think they were having a girls' night, and I was trying to give her the evening off, and, and uh, I put our son, Eliam, in his crib, and he has a mirror kind of in, in front of his crib, and he's gotten this kick now where... Uh, once you kind of lay him down, he's like burst of energy. You know, now he's wide awake and wants to play. So he's standing up and he's looking in the mirror and he, he suddenly has figured out that his hand functions, even though he uses it every day, right? You know, and eats and everything else. But he started figuring out that he could open and close his hand. So he would do this and he would look at me and look in the mirror and then look at himself and do this. And this is what we did for 20 minutes. And so I would try to tell him like, hey, 
And then this is really confusing, right? You say hey, and then you say bye. So I'm trying to teach an 11-month-old that the same hand transaction is when I come into the room and when I leave the room, right? It makes zero sense. But, uh, but anyway, we're doing this for 20 minutes. And so now he's figured out that when people walk up, he'll look at them and do this, right? And, and so part of the process is, is that he is learning. He's, he's childlike. He has no choice, right? It's all new. He's learning this stuff. He's not trying to tell you that just because he holds his hand this way that it's actually, no, son, you should do it like this, right? He's figuring out what works for him. A- am I correcting my 11-month-old because he didn't do it the way I would have done it? Absolutely not. I'm just getting a blast that he's actually trying it out. The first time we gave him spaghetti, now that he's getting into solid foods, it looked like arts and crafts time exploded in our kitchen. Uh, and did I get on to my, you know, 10-month-old at the time that he had made an absolute, I mean, more spaghetti was on the floor and on his clothes and probably actually in his stomach, um, but he was loving it. And at no point did I try to correct him in that, right? Why? Because he, he's learning. He's learning. Now, if my, you know, 35-year-old fully developed son is sitting at my table and we get through a dinner and my house looks like Arts and Crafts Center, he and I are going to have a different conversation to why this happened, right? Why? Because there's maturity. Maturity comes with growth. I'm hoping the stuff that my 10, 11-month-old doing now, he's not doing in another couple of years, right? I, I don't plan on changing my, you know, his diapers are, are good enough right now. I don't, I don't need that to continue into his, his, his senior ages, um, but, but there's, there's stuff that we forget sometimes when it comes to maturity, right? What I've seen, and I had this conversation, is Riley in here? Probably not. Is he? There he is. Uh, he and I and Caleb were having a conversation several weeks back in the coffee shop uh, about different stuff. And, and as we were talking, I told him, you know, Riley just got ordained and, and, and uh, plugs into our church and helps with the youth and stuff. And, and I told him, said, Riley which is crazy to think about. I've been involved in ministry for almost 20 years now. Um, I started helping out with youth at 16. My first time speaking, I was 17 years old. Just be thankful that none of you were in that room. That was painful for everybody involved. Um, And I'm 36 now, and so for almost 20 years, I've been plugged into ministry in some form or fashion. Um, And I told him, I said, let me give you a piece of advice I wish I would have known at 16, 17. Don't be rigid. And this is what I'm saying, is that the Holy Spirit will do what the Holy Spirit wants to do. And if you've already set in your foundation that the Holy Spirit only does this this way, you will miss it. You will absolutely miss it, and then you will be critical of anybody else that does it differently. When I was living up, we're going up to Igthus. Igthus for me is a special place because I lived up there for 14 months. Uh, right after Rodney shipped me off the first time, this started our, our relationship of him moving me all sorts of places. Um, let me tell you how this worked out. I'm pressure washing Rodney's uh, house one day. I was interning for Rodney years ago, back before I met my wife. I'm pressure washing. He's sitting in his truck on the phone with Bill Dingle, which... It's pretty consistent through the years, I've noticed. Um, While well, I'm sweating it out, and he says, hey, are you ready for lunch? Yep, get off, get in the truck. What are you doing this summer? 
I don't know. Great, Bill needs some help up at Igthus. I'm gonna, I told him you'd come up there and help him for the summer. <laughs> All right, well that summer turned into 14 months, <laughs> thank you, uh, of one of the most beneficial and hardest seasons that I've had. But the amount of stuff that I learned in that season, I, you couldn't be replicated anywhere else. Um, but, but in there, um, I was going somewhere before I got sidetracked for how much, how much you've sent me away. Um, <laughs> um, but, but in that is that you know, there becomes a place of maturity as we grow. There becomes a place of you learning how to be flexible. This is where I was going. I, I was sitting at my dinner table one night up at Ichthus. I didn't have internet. I didn't have cable. Uh, here I am at, you know, a 17, 18-year-old. Uh, I barely had cell phone service if I stepped out into my driveway. And so you're just trying to make the best of it. You work all day, and when it gets too dark, you go home and cook dinner and read. And, uh, you know, what more could you want, right? Um, and so one day I'm sitting at my dining room table reading the Bible, and this is going to offend some of you, and it's okay. And as I'm reading, I hear the Lord tell me, as clear as, you know, as clear as I hear him, um, Lonnie, I'm taking you to a season where I won't speak to you through the Bible anymore. And I was like, that's not the Lord, because the Lord doesn't talk like that. Like, I knew it was the Lord's voice, but I'm like, the Lord, the Bible, my relationship to Jesus is defined by the Bible is what I thought. If you didn't read the Bible every day, if I wanted to hear from the Lord, I had to read the Bible. It was always, you do church, you read your Bible, you go to sleep. <laughs> you know, that was kind of a, the relationship dynamic. And so I kind of brush it off, and the next day I go back and flip my Bible open, and it was like reading a newspaper from another country. None of it made sense. I couldn't, I couldn't hear the Lord, and I was like, well, this, I'm just having a long day. That evening, I opened it back up, and same thing. And I heard the Lord again say, Lonnie, I'm taking to a season where you won't hear me through the Bible. You'll hear me other ways. And that night, I had a dream, a super vivid dream where I interacted with Jesus. And it started this season where I would, I would be on the lawnmower cutting grass, and I would hear the Lord start talking to me. I would be um, in my house cleaning up, and I would hear the Lord start talking to me. Uh, I would be asleep at night and wake up with the most vivid dreams of having the Lord interact with me. And I went through a several-month season where I would still try to read the Bible, and it made absolutely zero sense to me, but the Lord would speak to me through more just relational, day-to-day -day stuff than I had ever experienced. And eventually that season subsided, and, and again, you know, I, I love the Bible. I don't ever want to sound like I discount the importance of the Bible, so I understand what I'm saying. But the Bible should not be your mediator relationship for Jesus. It's like telling my wife that, hey, all the love letters and stuff I wrote to you when we were dating, you just read those now when you want to connect with me after 16 years. <laughs> Ladies, how long would that last? <laughs> yeah, about as long as it takes to get the words out of my mouth. All right, and does it, does it make those letters not important? No. But it, it, it excludes the responsibility it excludes the responsibility that I'm responsible for my relationship with Jesus, right? It's easy for me just to go read a book and say, oh, my relationship with the Lord's great. But, but it's something else when I actually have to make time to actually connect with him and interact with him, right? That, that involves being teachable. If I was rigid into my belief that, hey, we do church, 
on every Sunday, every Sunday night, every Wednesday, and then I read my Bible. That's what it is to the Christian life. When, when that time where, the God, where God spoke to me super clearly, I would have said, nope, this isn't you. And then when nothing ever made sense, I'd just stop reading my Bible or, or whatever the case was. I would make this doctrine, this theology, based on what somebody else told me. Yeah. All right, and I see, this, I see this way more than I should. Um, I try to get into the gym four or five days a week. It's a great, uh, just release for me, mental health-wise, physically-wise. I just get in, headphones in. If you see me in the gym, I will say, hey, I will talk to you for a second, and then I'm going back to what I'm doing. <laughs> Don't be offended. It's just, that's my hour block that I get every morning. And, but I'm a people watcher, so there's no better place to watch people than at the gym because you see all sorts of crazy stuff. Um, but there's a group of older guys that come in to work out, and they're, you know, they're pretty stout guys, and they're in there the same time, same days that I'm in there. And what I've noticed, and I noticed this for a while, several of them have some injuries. And whether they, they get it from working out or other stuff, but they'll have, you know, uh, you'll see them with braces and different stuff on. And, and I, don't, I don't nitpick anybody. Uh, but, you know, when you work out, there's a certain way you should do movements, right? Right? If you squat, you should squat a certain way. If you're doing tricep extension, whatever it is, there is a right way and a wrong way. It's just how it is. Um, and I would watch these guys do these movements, and they, they would do half reps. They would do these movements that weren't fully complete. And some of it was probably due to just one injury. You know, they had limited movement. The other thing is they're trying to do 200-something pounds when they could probably drop the weight in half and get the actual movement correctly. And so, I, you know, I, I noticed it, not a big deal. Well, last couple of weeks what I've noticed is there's been a couple of younger guys, and I say, you know, like younger guys in their 20s probably, that have connected with these guys and started working out with them. And what I noticed these last couple of weeks is now the way their form is, their form has mimicked what these older guys with injuries are doing. So you have these young guys that are probably in great health that should be able to do the form perfect. That because they've watched these guys for so long, they're doing the SEP, the same rep movement as these guys with injuries. And, and it's gonna do two things, right? One, they're going to not have the benefit of doing it. They're going to do extra work for minimal benefit. And two, it's going to lead to them getting injured because they're doing too much weight and they're not doing it right. And, and the Lord spoke to me the other week and he said, so many times people will try to teach you out of their dysfunction. They'll try to make their hurt, their dysfunction, the new standard that applies to you. And sometimes it's not even intentional, right? Those, those older guys working out, I'm sure if they knew, like, hey, this isn't correct, and these guys are mimicking you, they'd probably change it, to be honest. But because they're not aware of it, their, their dysfunction, their injury has limited their mobility, and now because they're an example to these younger guys, these younger guys are now doing the same thing. And, and we do that often in the church and, and around Christian life, right? We get hurt, we get offended, something happens, and our dysfunction, our injury, now becomes the standard we expect everybody else to live by. Uh, I've heard it where you're, you know, as a, you know, I'm now 36, I find myself mentoring more people. I, more people come to me and say, hey, what do you think about this? What do you think about that? And I realize that as I mature and get older, people come to me for advice. 
And also, there's a, a scary importance that comes with that is that I don't want to feed anybody something that's not correct. I want to make sure the advice and input I'm giving you is not based out of a hurt or injury or dysfunction in my world that I'm now going to tell you is the new standard. Because what happens? They replicate that. And then when they get older and somebody comes and asks them the same questions, they tell them the same thing. This is where we get into generational dysfunction, which we currently see all over the place. It is because of that stuff. And so I tell you this because I want you to understand whether you're 15 or 50 or you're, you know, you're, you're knocking on the door of 100, you should be teachable. And you should always check that the more maturity you get, the more responsibility that comes with that, and that you should be checking with the Holy Spirit, God, if I'm giving counsel, if I'm being an example to these, is there anything that I'm doing that's coming out of a place of hurt or dysfunction that I don't realize? I can't tell you when Nikki and I were getting ready to get married, how, people love giving unsolicited advice, especially in the church. Goodness gracious. If you ever need advice for anything, just go visit any church, anywhere. Just stand there and just say, hey, uh, this is what I'm about to do. And everybody will tell you their opinion on your life choices. Uh, they do. Unsolicited. Um, but Nikki and I would kind of joke because we'd have all these people come up and they're like, well, let me tell you about marriage. And they'd list all this negative stuff. And we kept waiting for the, but it's, it's great. But it'd just be negative. And we're like, all right. And then we would look at their, like, their inter- interaction with their spouse. And we're like, well, that makes sense. Okay. And then we would see all these people. And so what we started doing is we were like, hey, we're only going to take input from people that we see that have healthy marriages. One of the biggest ones were Mr. and Mrs. Mitchell. You know, watching those two. And they would come up and be like, hey, how are y'all doing? And we'd ask them. We'd ask them questions. And they would just give us authentic advice. And you could tell, like, oh, man, this, is, this comes from years. But this comes from a loving relationship, not one, not somebody trying to tell me advice out of their dysfunction. <laughs> All right? And so we would, we would handpick the people that we would go and get input from and say, hey, you know, what about this? Because we knew they had value. They had stability. It doesn't mean they were perfect. It meant that they were aware that the stuff they were giving you input out of wasn't out of a dysfunctional place. Same thing now that we have a kid. Everybody wants to tell you, right, how to raise your kid. Because all kids are just alike, right? That's what I've learned. All kids, all kids are the same, and so the way you raised it should be the way that we raised it. Yeah, it makes, makes perfect sense. I don't know why no one's wrote a book on that. Um, so people will come up and give us advice and tell us all this stuff, and Nikki and I can uh, look at each other now, and we're like, some people will come, they've never even met our child, but they're going to tell us, this is how you should raise them. This is what you should do. This is what's going to work best for him. And I'm like, lady, if our child is conscious, he is moving. Like this whole, you know, putting him down, doing all this stuff, I'm like, no, I don't know what, you know, what relaxed John Mayer child you had, but our kid is like... <laughs> We don't even give him sugar, and he is, our, my brother and his wife and their kid came over yesterday, and they put our son down on the floor, and we have a pretty large house, and they look down, they're like, where'd he go? And I'm like, no, like, he's gone. He, he's like in the other room, and they're like, we just put him down. I'm like, no, that's what I'm saying. He's not their little relaxed child. This is, no. And so I don't expect them to parent their child the way we parent ours, right? It doesn't mean there's some core values, that hold true. But again, I, I want to make sure that when we're doing stuff, we're not doing it out of a place of dysfunction. We're not saying, hey, 
uh, let me tell you about how church should really be. Uh, you got to watch out for all these people and this and this because I was hurt once and this is why and all church is bad. You shouldn't go to church. It's like all this dysfunctional stuff. If that's you, just stop giving advice. <laughs> Please, just do us all a favor. Go see a counselor. There's nothing wrong with counselors. Get some help to break through that stuff and let, let people interact with healthy people in the Holy Spirit and not continue dysfunction after dysfunction after dysfunction. The other thing is don't be rigid. We should always stay teachable. As long as you stay humble, you'll always be teachable. It's a package deal. Whenever you start getting out of that place where humility is no longer a part of your lifestyle, uh, hopefully you have people in your world that will tell you. Uh, I have counsel in my life. I have people that I trust. Rodney gives me feedback all the time, whether I ask for it or not. Uh, and I listen because he has that role in my life. And if he ever says, hey, you need to tone that down, you know, that's, that was kind of cocky and arrogant or, or this and that. Where's humility at? Hey, where was your heart when you had this interaction? I want to take a second and stop and be like, well, this man knows me better than most, so let me check all this stuff. Somebody I don't know comes up and says, hey, I was super offended by that. Great, let's talk through it. Well, this, this, and this. Okay, well, that's a bummer you were offended, but like, my heart was good. I don't think it was anything on my end, but I, I'm sorry. And, you know, you have, you have areas of relationship, right? I have my inner circle, and I have circles outside of that. So you have to have those people, but you should be in a place where you can be teachable and you can get criticism, criticism, not the word I want, but you can get feedback from people in your inner circle and you take it in a responsible way. The one thing I will say as we close is as you grow with the Lord, you become more mature, you become to get more wisdom, be careful of criticalness, all right? Be careful that uh, someone else's relationship with the Lord doesn't look like yours. Uh, the things we do in here doesn't look like the way you would run it. Um, be careful of being critical of other people. I won't get into this much, but one of the things that, that irks me pretty bad is when I hear people bash another, another speaker, another pastor, another leader, and they don't have relationship with them. All right. I, I've heard people make comments about all sorts of well-known speakers that they didn't, and I don't, I don't mean disagree, right? You can disagree with whatever you want to disagree with. I'm not saying that. Uh, I'm saying when you're being critical and you're telling, hey, this person, that's not the Lord. This isn't from the Lord. This person doesn't know the Lord. They're all about this, this, and this. Be very, very careful <laughs> critiquing someone that you're not in relationship with, especially if you don't know their relationship with the Lord. Because one thing I don't want to do is critique and be critical of another man or woman of God. All right. I don't know if you've met God the Father. He's, he's quite loving and protective of his kids. And I'm not trying to be one that trash talks one of his. All right. And I can tell you some of these well-known pastors out there that everybody has an opinion on uh, because of my past job, I've had the opportunity to sit in rooms with some of those individuals, to sit in rooms with people that have relationship with them, and I can tell you most of what you see out here is not the actual individual, right? So, so be careful of that, okay? Um, 
So I just encourage you, be teachable. I think we're going into a season where it's going to be important that we remain in a place of humility and being, being teachable. When, you, when you're teachable, you're okay with messes. Messes can be cleaned up. It's all part of learning, right? I told you about our kid and spaghetti. I'm used to it at this point, right? Every time we feed him, he makes a mess. It's going to take us three minutes to clean up. That's fine. Uh, the hope is we don't stay in that place forever. It's the same thing in the church when you're growing in the kingdom, right? Is that there's going to be some messes. It is what it is. But we clean those up, we learn from them, and we move forward. That's what family does, okay? So God, we love you. We're grateful that you love us even more than we can possibly love you. God, that you're, uh, you're excited for what's to come because you know it way more than we do. We're excited for the season change. And God, we're just thankful for who you are and who you've called us to be in you. Uh, we just ask you to always keep us in humility and keep us teachable. God, that we continue to learn from your Holy Spirit. We continue to learn from the people around us that are uh, good influences. And God, if we're, we're teaching anything out of dysfunction uh, or out of injury or out of hurt, that God, you show us correction, you help us heal from those places, and you give us wisdom on how to move past them and how to give insight from the other side of that perspective. So God, we're grateful for who you are. We're grateful for uh, what you have going on here in Auburn Heights and what you have going on in our city. And God, we just thank you for all the ones on Facebook Live, the ones that couldn't be here, the ones that uh, aren't even local that still uh, choose to check in and see what we're doing here. We're thankful for them. And God, we just ask you for increase in favor, wisdom, and revelation to know you more and to know who you've called us to be. We love you. God, we love you. We love you. In Jesus' name.